huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. What are we going to do as a church? Our souls need to wake up. We need to respond to the gospel of Jesus. He said, go into the world. We don't want to deal with reality, Christian. We don't even want to deal with reality even though we've been saved from this place. I'm calling on you today in the name of Jesus to rise up to the call of God. Christ is coming back soon. If I start telling people about hell, I might just scare them off. Where are you going to scare them off to? Hell number two? People stop and think about it. If hell really exists, and it does, I didn't say that Jesus did. Then don't you think people need to know about it? Can't you at least give them a fighting chance? Or are you just going to sit there and let them burn? Good night, good night. This is Chris from Don't Let Them Burn. My brother Rory. Can you hear me? All right. Tonight's show is about Halloween again. Good evening, my brother. Oh, there you go. All right. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Doing fine. I hope everybody's week went well. And if you tuned into last week's show, or at least listened to it in the archives. So yeah, it was a very week. important show last week. And so, um, so now you can find us on www.dontletthemburn.com. You can also find us on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. And you know, just send us an email um, if you have any questions about what we talk about, what we present to you. Um, tonight is a very important show, just like last, like last week. We got a lot of content to cover tonight, and some news uh, clips and things like that. So we just want to do a recap of last week's show. Basically, we showed you the root of this holiday, and it goes back to paganism, even back to Babylonian witchcraft, and we show you about we told you about the druids. The sacrifices, the, the the meaning of the jack-o'-lantern, the trick-or-treat, some of the characters like the the, the vampires, the werewolf, stuff like that, that are, are are ingrained into this holiday season. And we pose the question: What do Christians do when you know their church is involved in this uh, pagan satanic holiday? What should we Christians do on this day? And we answer that question. Evangelize or worship the Lord. So, you know, that's a little bit of what we talked about last week. And we even talked about some video games, some uh, movies that promote this stuff. And we're going to go deeper into that tonight. So, Rory, I'm going to hand you the Yes, intro. my brother. Well... Like uh, Chris alluded to, I just wanted to uh, talk about some of the things we spoke about. It, just in passing, um, we talked about um, 
the history of Halloween. We talked about where it started. Um, and Chris also said that it was a part of Babylonian worship, if you go way back. So we were talking about over 3,500 years ago. And the the people that stick out the most are, or, or were the leaders in this, were the Druids. The Druids were um, worshippers of nature. We talked about that. And it was also... Um, part of the Celtic New Year, which was November 1st. Now, what's also interesting is that the the church, or the church as we know it, when I say the church, let me let me let me clarify that. The Catholic Church had what's known as All Saints Day, and they sort of commingled or mixed the two because this was a pagan day of worship. This was a, a pagan's New Year, um, which was November 1st. So they, the way in which they handled it, they said, well, let's marry the two together and call it, um, and the name also changed over time, uh, Hallow's Eve, Halloween, and we told you also um, this was a time where people would get together and they would do uh, bonfires and they would um, go around in their neighborhood asking to play, um, asking for a trick, to, if they wanted a trick played on them, or basically a curse or a treat, um, or give them a treat. So they would go around and, and do that. We also talked about the Druids, what the Druids did, and and how they would go, um, they would seek out um, oak groves to conduct their ceremonies. And the oak tree was used because of how firm and strong it was, and it was, it was you know, it could withstand the, the test of time. Um, they are still active today. Druids are in here in the United States and also active publicly in England. Um, they also refer to themselves openly as pagans. Okay? So that's just sort of it in a nutshell. Coming down a little further, we also talked about Wicca or a pagan nature religion having its roots in pre-Christian Western European um, in, in, in Western Europe. And what they did was they were also, like I said, worshippers of nature, just like the Druids were. And um, this, this has gone on for thousands of years. One of the serious things that has happened is that over time, things have changed. And, and what has happened is it has crept into the church. And it has crept into, you could say, even people who call themselves so-called Christians, that they now want to um, partake. So you see a lot of churches 
have pumpkin patches where they're selling pumpkins, which, as we learned last week, was used in the old days. It was a turnip that was dug out and used to symbolize a dead soul. Okay? And today, um, they have found better gourds, which was a pumpkin. And when you clean it out and do your thing, it, it's, 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 it, and you put the candle in there, it works really nicely, so they say. Um, but more importantly, I'm going to just go over what happened, how the two became, came together. In 1835, Pope Gregory IV expanded the feast to include All Saints Day and changed the date of the feasts of All Saints Day to line up with the Celts New Year, November 1st. Remember, the Druids were already celebrating this day. All Saints Day started being called All Hallows Day. Hollow means to respect or honor greatly. And um, thus, this day before All Hallows Day was called All, All Hallows Eve, from which we got the name Halloween. Praying for the dead was to occur the next day on November 2nd, All Souls Day. All right? Now, those are just some of the things we talked about last week. And um, one of the, the, the passages of Scripture that we brought out last week, and I'm just going to read it for you, was Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 14. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 to 14. Why? Um, And I want for, why did we select this? I want for you guys to hear this passage um, and what God is saying. This is what God says. This is his word. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 to 14. When thou art come into the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, Thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or you this divination, or an observer of time, or an enchanter, or a witch. Or a charmer, or a consulter of familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord shall, the Lord thy God shall drive them out before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For those nations, these are the nations that he drove out now, for those nations which has possessed, hearkened unto observers of time and unto divination, or diviners, but as for thee, as for you, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. What is this passage saying? It's saying, hey, 
simply, when you go into the land, and this was talking about the children of Israel at the time, he's saying when you go into the land, when you go to where this country or whatever country you go to, don't be like the ones that let their sons or daughters pass through the fire. Um, that's one of the things that they would do. They would either burn their children to Molech, which was a, a, a god, one of these uh, pagan gods. The other thing that they said, um, or diviners, or people who do divination, casting spells, or, or things of that, na- uh, of, of that nature, observers of time. So they would observe certain times for certain things. And one of the things we learned last week in, in, in that, there were two times of the year that they were kept. And these times were October 31st, November 1st, and there's May Day, May 1st in May. And these, they're keepers of time. Now he says an enchanter or a witch. We, we talked about them. Um, or consultor of familiar spirits. Someone who consults familiar spirits, a wizard or a necromancer, all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord. So God himself, because of what these people were doing at that time, he drove them out of that land and gave it to somebody else. Now, some people say, well, you know, hey, um, I'm quite sure some of these people are successful, but God said, don't partake, separate yourself from them, be not among them, walk away, leave it alone. And tonight, once we get into it, uh, we we get started um, after this particular passage, we are going to show you some of the dangers of what this is all about, what Halloween is about, and what God is saying. So we're not keepers of this time. We don't partake in this time or in any of these things because we are children of the living God. And he said, again in his word, that it's an abomination. He doesn't like it. He hates it. And as we know, based off of scripture, that he's coming back to judge not some of us, not a few, all of us. Everyone will be judged. All right? So that's our our passage of scripture for tonight. Keep that, and then we're going to continue. My dear brother Chris. Yes, sir. All right, so great coverage of that passage there. And I just want to give a few um, definitions, I guess. You know, necromancer, you know, wizards, you know, people that okay. deal with familiar spirits. What is a familiar spirit? A familiar spirit is basically a, a foul demon or something like that that comes in the form of somebody you you know or you know maybe a, your mother that died or or maybe a, you know any other relative or friend and they come in your dreams or any other maybe right in front of you and they they propose themselves as that person and then they they want you to follow them and take their guidance. You hear that all the time on these um, psychic TV shows, okay? You have wizards, we know what they do. They're just like witches, uh, necromancers, 
talk with the dead, you know, uh, or so-called, they so-called talk with the dead, diviner, you know, just, you know, these things the Lord wants us to be separate from, as, as my brother, Roy, uh, you know, talked about, but here we have this demonic holiday that promotes all of this, and what are we, what does God tell us in his, in his book, stay away from it, but all of this negative, evil, uh, darkness, there's another side to that where in Philippians 4.8, God tells us to the Christian, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things. So we shouldn't be gathering all this evil stuff in our minds and then going out and celebrating it like the world. Just wanted to kind of, you know, give a, a further talk on that. So as we talk about this holiday, we're going to give you some things that you might not think even have to do with the holiday. But we're going to show you how these things influence it heavily heavily. You think about Twilight, Harry Potter, all these things. Remember, the root of Halloween goes back to Satanism, witchcraft, paganism. You don't hear anything just in there righteous or honest at all. But we, as sometimes what we call the church, likes to assimilate what's going on out there. So we're going to get into this. And if Rory, you want to talk about um, anything before we jump into the, the section about Hollywood, uh, now is the time, because we got a lot to get through tonight. <laughs> um, and I know that you want to explain some things about witchcraft, and I'll, and I'll go along with you. Okay, well... Um... One of the things that I would like to, to say, and I, I'm not even going to touch on it anymore, if you would like to find out more about the witchcraft, I think you could go back to the last um, the last show that we did. But one of the things that we want to look at, we want to look at, um, we want to look at the, the, the star, so to speak, of Halloween. Who is the star? What is the, that, that, that person, that the banner person, or the banner image that you see on most Halloween um, things, it's the witch. And we read, and Chris talked about it, the things that we are supposed to do and the things that we are not supposed to do. And it was we are to stay away from these things, stay away from people who call themselves um, witches. Okay, um, the Bible clearly states it. But the other thing that's so, and I'm just going to just go loosely into this, is what the witch is, what the witch uses. She uses a wand, and the wand that she uses, what is it made out of? It comes from the holly stick or from the holly tree, and the holly tree it is a tree that has very, very beautiful red berries, 
However, if a child was to consume about 20 of them, it would kill them because it's poisonous. Now, um, holly leaves, if eaten also, cause diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. One of the things, why I'm telling you this is because it looks like just a beautiful tree, but the... um, the berries are poisonous. So the witch uses the holly stick to make her one, to cast her spells or to do her divination. The holly stick. Hmm. Hollywood. Halloween. You see, I, I don't think I need to go any further. But, but I will go with this. Halloween. Not sorry, not Halloween, but Hollywood. Why would you call a place where you get all the movies and they're shown all around the world? Hollywood. The holly from the holly tree. Because it's very poisonous. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And this has been the city of Hollywood is also in what's known as the city of lost angels. Fallen angels. It's, it's, it's just amazing to see how these things all come together. Yeah. And tonight we're going to look at some of the things that Hollywood puts out to our children. Um, one of the, there's a movie that just came out and it was a movie for Vista for kids. It was a, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was geared, it was a cartoon that's geared towards kids. And I hear kids all along say, oh, man, I went to see that movie. I took, or hear parents saying, I took my children to see that movie. I'm like, wow. That's how devastating this thing is. Okay? My brother Chris, continue. All right. So before we get into the whole expose on movie, what we want to do is uh, give you two clips from an ex-witch, and she's going to tell you from her mouth what this holiday is about. Here we go. Hi, this is Beth at The Other Side of Darkness. Check out my blog, theothersideofdarkness.com, where I talk about my testimony, walking in darkness, the occult, witchcraft, drug addiction, depression, and more, into a glorious relationship with Jesus Christ, who has totally redeemed me, and as you can see, <laughs> wipe the darkness out of my life. Thank you, Jesus. So today I want to talk about um, Halloween and Christianity. So Halloween is kind of a taboo subject for Christians as far as talking about not celebrating it. Um, there seems to be two camps in the thought of Halloween and Christians. One is there's absolutely nothing wrong with Halloween It's all in good fun. Just don't celebrate the evil side, and it's perfectly fine. And the other side says, do not celebrate Halloween at all. Um, It's totally evil. And I guess there is kind of a middle ground where some people say, well, don't celebrate it, but reach out to the lost with fall festivals at church and handing out tracts to trick-or-treaters. So I just wanted to speak a little bit about that um, because I know... Um, I have more experience with the darkness of Halloween 
and the evil side than I think some people do. And I just want to share that because I think it's really important and it's something that people need to know, Christian or not Christian. Um, So as a witch, when I celebrated Halloween, Halloween is a high holy day for Satanists and witches alike. And um, so I did not celebrate Halloween thinking it was evil. We didn't do sacrifices. We didn't hurt animals. Um, And it seemed all in good fun. It was a day to celebrate the dead and to party. And um, it seemed perfectly good and fun. It wasn't until after I got into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ that I really started to realize how evil Halloween is. Um, In the Bible, God speaks very clearly about not being involved in paganism, witchcraft, mediums, um, sacrificing children, and things of that nature. But what many people don't know is that Halloween is the high holy day for Satanists and witches and other occult members who actually hurt uh, people and animals. Um, They do things, it's not just on Halloween. Uh, Anton LeBay says that Halloween is the third most important um, holiday on their calendar. He, if you don't know, was the founder of the Church of Satan. He is now deceased. Uh, The Church of Satan is not deceased, though. And is alive and active. And um, Satanists actually love the fact that Christians celebrate Halloween because Halloween opens you up to your dark side. Now, I know a lot of Christians say that they don't celebrate the evil of Halloween, but the thing is is that you really can't get away from the evil of Halloween. It is a day dedicated to Satan, evil, and death. So as I was saying, witches see Halloween not as evil, but as you know, celebration of the dead and partying, but Satanists and other occultists see it as a day, yes, of the dead and partying, but to them, that means um, human sacrifices, animal sacrifices, uh, ritual abuse, such as beatings, and uh, also sexual abuse. So it is very real that babies are being murdered, animals are being murdered, and other people, children and adults alike, are being abused. Um, It's the real deal. And so Halloween, um, Easter, and Christmas time are huge pagan holidays that they do these kinds of rituals, but Halloween is one of the the more important ones. Um, And there are many people out there right now who... They come to this time of the year and it's so hard for them. Everywhere you go, just in in my neighborhood, my neighborhood stores, Halloween is everywhere. The evil is prevalent. Um, The decorations I see, they are spiders, giant spiders, um, vampires, witches, ghosts, severed heads, human body parts, uh, headstones, and things of that nature. Um, I don't really see how you can find innocence in those decorations. I understand that you could dress up in costumes that you consider non-evil, such as princesses and superheroes and, and your favorite cartoon characters. But the fact is that I really want you to think about is that you can't separate yourself from the evil that Halloween is. To its very origins, Halloween is evil. If you trace Halloween all the way back to the ancient times, before Catholicism even, um, it has deep roots. 
And it is all based on celebrating other gods and goddesses, which, by the way, are demons in disguise, and sacrificing and abusing humans and animals. Now, fast forward to current day, um, you don't see, or it's not widely talked about, those horrifying things. Um, Satan has made it very easy to ignore those things. And as a matter of fact, we are completely desensitized to evil, the devil, and his demons. But the spiritual realm is very real. And you are inviting evil into your life by participating in Halloween. Because God has clearly stated to us that we are to have no part of it. So when we have a part of it, we are signaling in the spiritual realm, which is all around us, unseen, that we're open. It's an open open portal or gateway. All right, so wow. First part. You see, he's backing up a lot of things that we're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have many Christians that are on the fence about this holiday. Right. And you see how it's, it's a very high pagan holiday. As we said, it's virtual. So here is somebody that's exposing it that was into a coven, into the gothic look. Because uh, if you want to see the, the video, it's on um, YouTube. Uh, it was put up by a, a person called The Vigilant Christian. So anything you'd like to say about this first part of this? Um... Well, all I can say, um, um, Chris, and this is not coming from us, this is from someone who was a practicing witch involved in Wiccan, and they're telling you exactly what they did. Yeah. So in, in your mind, you have to a decision based off of the scriptures that we read and what was said already. So this is what the Lord is saying, and and now, because we are telling you about this, you will be held accountable by God for what you're hearing tonight. So this is very, very significant, very serious. Yeah. Don't be involved in it. It's it's just just plain and and simple. Go ahead, ahead, Chris. No, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. Okay, there was a delay, so... Well, she she pointed out that you know Christians shouldn't be you, you practicing this, and you're inviting evil into your life. You're inviting it, and I'm no, I'm I'm pretty sure she's not even saying everything right there because she had a short interview. But that's powerful right. because some people think that these things don't happen. In fact. Um, uh, a friend of mine that went to the one of the churches I used to go to, they were watching some movie. I can't remember, but it was some type of a horror movie. And all of a sudden, things just started flying off of their counter. Just just like that. <laughs> they didn't think they were inviting anything in. You know? But anyway, we're going to move to the second part of this clip. Um, I have been told that witches curse the Halloween candy. And I can only imagine what other curses are going on to Halloween costumes and whatnot. 
at this time of year, covens are very active, um, trying to place curses on different churches and different individuals, especially individuals like myself who would speak out against Halloween. Um, it's a, it's very serious. I take Halloween very seriously. It grieves me to the core, to to my bones, which with immense sadness that Christians participate in Halloween. It it's not something for Christians. We are called to be the light of the world. We are called to step out of darkness. Our Savior has died and shed blood so that we can be redeemed, so that we don't have to be slaved to hell. So why are we celebrating and playing and having fun on a day that is dedicated to Satan and that is about death and decay? It just really, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And I just want to stop and pray right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that anyone who watches this video is covered by the blood of Jesus. I pray that you would just penetrate every heart and soul with your word right now and your truth, God. That you would divide anything that I have said that is untrue away from the truth. And that you would take each person that watches this video and give them great blessings in your favor, God. We love you and we praise your mighty name, Jesus, for you are our wonderful Savior. You are the sacrifice, the last sacrifice and the only sacrifice that ever need be done. And by your shed blood and your work on the cross, we can live eternally in joy, truth, light, and hope. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, God. We love you. <laughs> so I just want you to know that I have no condemnation for what you do or what you have done because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And Jesus does not condemn you if you have celebrated Halloween or do celebrate it now. He only asks with love, as I ask, and urge that you stop and think more about Halloween and celebrating it. Even fall festivals, I really urge you to rethink that. I've had people tell me, it's fine to not celebrate Halloween. We can celebrate fall instead. Fall is great. But I have to ask you this. Why are you celebrating fall? Which other season do you have parties and celebrate? I've never heard of a spring celebration or festival, winter festival. We don't do those. Why is it you feel so called? Why is the pool to celebrate fall so strong? And it's really not just Halloween. It's a whole season where we take up celebrating all of October. Pumpkin patches, pumpkin carving, decorating our houses with leaves and ghosts and pumpkins and fall colors. And I have to ask you to think and ask yourself and pray and ask God, why is it the urge is there so strong? This is a time of year when witchcraft increases greatly. I'm not saying you should be afraid of witchcraft. I'm not saying you should fear the devil. And I'm not saying you should fear Halloween. Quite the opposite. If you've been saved by Jesus Christ, there is no fear. You, by his blood, have defeated the devil. You have the power and authority to trample on the serpent and crush him under your heel. But 
I ask you, can you glorify God by celebrating Halloween? I do not think so. Actually, I do think so. You can glorify God by not celebrating Halloween. And I say this to you. If you don't celebrate Halloween and you stand up for the truth of what Halloween is and spread the word and other Christians stop celebrating Halloween or even people who are not Christians stop celebrating Halloween just on the premise that they refuse to participate in a time where people are being murdered, think of what that would do to the devil. That would make him so mad and I want to make him mad. Because I tell you what, the devil tried to steal my joy, kill my life, and trample on me for most of my life. But look what God has done for me and you too. So give him a black eye and step away from Halloween, away from fall festivities. And pray and just pray. We are called to be a part or a separate from this world, to not conform, to be transformed, to be renewed, to be holy. And it is hard. It's very hard. Not because I miss out on Halloween, because I don't. I can eat candy or let my kids dress up in a costume lots of other times of the year. It doesn't have to be October or even October 31st. I could stop one day of the year and not participate in dressing up, going to parties, or eating candy, it doesn't even bother me. What bothers me is that sometimes it feels very lonely. But I've prayed and prayed and I said, God, are you sure that we're supposed to separate ourselves from Halloween and all the activities? And time and time again, I continually hear, yes. All right. That's our testimony. Not a short testimony, but testimony nonetheless. So we're going to use that to segue into movies. And before I go, is there anything you would like to say about that, Rory? Um, I want to discuss it a little I, bit. I just say it's, it's a very powerful statement. It, it's, it, we don't need to say anything, anything more. It's said. And people need to understand the message that we were trying to convey. Just like her at one point in time in our lives. Chris, I remember when I practiced getting Halloween. Yeah. I remember when I went trick-or-treating. Do I do it now? No. Do I allow my kids to do it? No. I share them share with them the importance of what Halloween signifies. Because I want for them to know. Like she said, all I can say, who the son is set free. It's free indeed. Here's a young lady that had the opportunity to see the other side, the dark side, the weak side. And she yep. came out of it and has don't want any part of it. No part of it. That's very serious. Continue, my brother. So, yeah, so she's warning us about this holiday. And even the fall festivals, we didn't catch that. Yep. Because it's just basically uh, another name for Halloween. The pumpkin patches, you go get the, pat- the, the pumpkin and cards. You know you know what, what, what people do out there. And churches get involved with this. 
So anyway, now we're going to go into the movies and why movies, you ask. Well, movies are a big part of the Halloween celebration. It helps to promote it, helps to promote the darkness, uh, the fear, the, the demon, demonophobia. A demonophobia is basically a fear of spirits or demons. Uh, people can't go to sleep at night because they just watch the scary film. Uh, and things move, you know, they hear the wind blow and it's got to be something. You know, so where did this fear come from? Because you open yourself up to an idea or um, visuals, pictures, sounds that amplified something that you probably didn't think about before. You didn't never thought about an axe coming to your head or something like that, or uh, an apparition in, in, the, in, in, the, in the woods chasing you and a friend or something like that. But these ideas have been placed in your mind through the machine of Hollywood and other industries. So, like, as Rory stated before, about the holly tree, this is where Hollywood gets its name from. It's the holly wood, holly tree, and which is used this as the, the, the piece of wood to make their so-called magic wand. So Hollywood is basically casting a spell, if you will, on society. Now, Hollywood movie marathons are the big thing nowadays because usually we uh, in the, the 80s, we would, or 90s to when these um, video rental stores are still open, we would go and we'd rent 10 movies and watch them through the night. And that would be your marathon, whether it be action movies, scary movies, whatever. Well, on Halloween night, this is a big thing. We sit down and get scared movie after movie after movie after movie. Um, so now we're going to go into some of these movies and what they mean and what the effects are on certain people in our populace. So horror films have been around for a long time. Yeah. And, but they weren't as popular as they are today. And, you know, so sometimes when you go to some of these video stores, you would have to go into the hidden section uh, right right before you get to the pornography section. That, that's where the horror movies would be because they, they didn't want kids to come in and see that type of stuff, rent these movies. So some of the, the more famous movies would be Friday the 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Exorcist, uh, things of that nature. So what have these movies had effect on people, as we stated before, fear, demonophobia, and things have, like curses, have been found to be a part of this whole genre. And here's one. You might not have seen this. This came out in 2011, but it says, the film at the reportedly haunted hotel the Yankee Paddler Inn in, in Torrington, Connecticut, the innkeeper's director, 
Ty West was skeptical about the strange occurrences during the making of this movie. Still, creepy stories from the set became the focus in the press from the interview with West. And this is from the interview here. Quote, I'm a skeptic, so I don't really buy it, but I've definitely seen doors close by themselves. I've seen a TV turn off and on by itself. Lights would always burn out in my room. Everyone on the crew had very vivid dreams every night, which is really strange. The story that the most intrigued that sorry the, the story that most intrigued me in the film, the most haunted room in the honeymoon suite. That's where the ghost stuff started in the hotel. The only reason I picked the room that I picked to shoot in was because it was big enough to do a dolly shot. No more thought went into it other than pure technical reasons. So when we're finishing the movie, I find out that the, the most haunted room in, the, in real life is the room I picked to be the haunted room in the movie. It should be a, it shouldn't, sorry, it could be a coincidence. It's weird that it happened that way. Star Sarah Paxton would wake up in the middle of the night thinking someone was in the room with her. Everyone has stories, but I was too busy saying, let's shoot the film. We have 17 days. So obviously in this place that they went to film this film had some type of spiritual activity, demonic activity. But as he said, they didn't buy into it. So Roy, you could comment on that? Well, the only thing I would say is that, like you said, they're not coincidence. These things don't just happen. Because um, one of the things I learned um, probably about 15 years ago is that when they're doing these movies, they have to consult people who are involved in this type of thing, especially with um, scary movies. They would hire certain people, um, people who are experienced in the dark stuff to... um, tell them maybe where to go and, and what to do and how to set up a certain um, scene and so on and so forth. And the other thing is a majority of these films, Chris, that are, are put out there, these scary films, most of the people, they die very strangely. You ever notice yeah. that? Yeah. And I'm going to actually go into some of those. Yeah. That's, and, that's all I have to say right now. Yeah, like they say, Many movie producers would hire practicing witches or Satanists as technical advisors to assure authenticity. And they wonder why so many of the horror movies are plagued with curses on the people that worked on the film. You know, so I don't think anything is coincidence, like you said. They want to mess around with darkness. darkness and so we, right. next we have the 2003, no, sorry, 2005 movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, Dexter star, uh, if you don't know what Dexter is, it's a TV show about um, a serial killer that people work with. Uh, uh, Jennifer Carpenter reported that during the making of The Exorcism of Emily Rose, in which she played a big screen version of German woman, Annalise Mitchell, whose poor health and subsequent death was blamed on a failed exorcism, 
her radio would mysteriously turn on and off from an interview with, um, sorry, on and off. This is from, now the, the rest of this is from an interview with um, Dread Central. A common question when making a film like this, did anything weird happen during the film? She says, I thought about that when it happened, and two or three times when I was going to sleep, my radio came on by itself. Then only The only time it scared me was once because it was really loud, uh, and it was Pearl Jam Alive um, playing. Um, Lord's TV came on a couple of times. The question was posed to her, was it at 3 a.m.? She says, mine wasn't 3 a.m. I was born at 3 a.m., but it, was, it hasn't happened to me. I, I, didn't, I did check. Okay. So if anybody's wondering what 3 a.m. is, uh, supposedly it's the witching hour when a lot of demonic activity happens. So that's why this person is um, asking it was at 3 a.m. In fact, in the movie The Avenue of Horror, when the um, sorry, the, the, the main person, in the, the father of the family, would go to sleep in the living room or anytime anything would happen in that movie, it would be at 3.15 or 3 a.m., something like that. And uh, Eminem came, came out with a song called 3 a.m. where he's demonically possessed and uh, in the movie he's going and killing people or whatever, you know. So, um, but all these stories follow a lot of these horror films. And not all of them are you know, scary or, you know, that jerking, just like the last one I just mentioned. But they are, they raise eyebrows because it follows film after film after film. And this one is The uh, Exorcist from 1970. Reports of audience audiences fainting and vomiting were a common occurrence during the release of William Freakin's, um Chilling tale on the, uh, uh, of a young girl possessed by the devil, the exorcist. The movie made national news wow. when a 16th-century church across the street from the theater where the film was premiered was struck by lightning, causing the cross to fall to the ground. Actor Jack McGoran played the doomed director in the film, Burke Dennings, and succumbed to the flu shortly after the film wrapped. There are at least eight other deaths associated with the production. The set for the McNeil home burnt down in a studio fire, but Reagan's Linda Blair, the, the actress that played Reagan, the possessed girl, the room was supposedly untouched by the blaze. You call it what you want, but that's the story. Wow. <laughs> so these films... Uh, it's it's been said many many times about the curses. Even MTV for the article it's called "Real Life Horror Begs the Question: Are Some Movie Sets Really Cursed?" And it's 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 an important question because you know a lot of these people, like we said, they they, they invite witches and practicing Satanists to, to advise their movie production. You're, you're messing around with darkness, dark powers, dark advisors, like a, like the, the, their um, medium. 
So if these people are messing with this dark thing, don't you think that that might just invite something in there? You know, we have the death of the, the young lady that was um in the first Poltergeist movie, which really um, made everybody feel weird when, when a lot of things happened to her and a lot of people that were on the set or involved with the movie. And many of these movies, they have tales about things that happened on the set, things that happened to people right after film films finished shooting or somebody directly connected to somebody with the film. Death, 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 death. This follows them. And yep. we talk about... Oh, go ahead, Roy. You want to say something? No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I am just, just listening. I, I, I'll, I'll say what I have to say after this. I'm just listening. Continue, my brother. You know, so, and just going back to the poltergeist thing, it says here, some purported curses go hand in hand with painfully real moments on horror, of horror. Each of the three poltergeist movies was met with the tragedy of our principal actor, from 22-year-old Dominique Dunn's 1982 murder to Julian Beck's death at the beginning of 1986 pre-sequel, sorry, um, to 12-year-old Heather O'Rourke's demise from uh, cardiopulmonary arrest soon after the release of the final film. Just before filming began on the 2005 remake of Amityville Horror, the body of a dead fisherman washed up on the shore of the set four weeks before the film's premiere, the real-life inspiration for Ryan Reynolds' uh, tormented patriarch dropped dead. So, wow. you know, this is secular news. This is not like a Christian in this and saying this and saying This is secular news. They're backing up what we're saying. You know, exactly. So, <clears throat> exactly, Chris. It has, you know, it has nothing to do with us, per se. Nothing at all. These are these are what people have written. Um, things that they've actually seen or, or actually heard about um, that have happened on set, and that's the only reason why they're talking about it. That's it. And, and here's something that's interesting. Just to go in the article again. Remember I, I mentioned 3 o'clock, 3.15, Amityville Horror. Okay, so this this uh, actor, Ryan Reynolds, was the star of the remake. Um, I think it was in 2005. Yeah, 2005. So it says here, when real tragedies occur, the surviving stars do their best to keep their comments respectful. But when the creepiness stops, just short of ending someone's life, Hollywood's PR machine acts, acts like it, hit, it's, it has hit the jackpot. Here's a quote. It says, when we were putting together the press tour for Amityville, Ryan Reynolds and the other stars kept bringing up everything from the real-life death that surrounded the shoot to the fact that Ryan Reynolds kept waking up in the middle of the night around the same Time that the character did, said one of wow. the film's publicists. It's some creepy stuff, but to those of us behind the scenes of horror movies, it helps us to help fans believe that such supernatural things can occur. You see, there's a, a, a big divide 
when it comes to people believing in the spiritual realm, believing that demonic attacks happen, believing that, um, you know, haunted houses or evil spirits rest in certain domains. It's a real, because, you know, when you go to Africa, well, when you go I, to I will say this. I will say this, Chris. When yeah. people, like you said, when people open themselves, they open themselves. They're literally going and open themselves for these things to come in. That's how you, that's what happens. You, you, you open yourself. How do you open yourself? You open yourself by being a part of the set. You open yourself by going to the movies. You open your set, your, yourself by playing these games. That's how you open yourself. And you grant, you allow demons to come in based off of the things that you do. Right. That's what happens. Right. And just to, just to finish my thought, when you, when you go to Africa and the Amazon, and these places that are not so developed, as you, we would call it, they don't bat an eye when it comes to this type of subject. It's nothing to them. They talk about it openly. So, and it's a part of their know, culture. Yeah, it's a part of their culture. When when we talk about all these things, witchcraft and the occult and how far it goes back, it only seems like it's back there, but it's right here, right now. That's why we have neo-paganism. That's why we have Wicca. That's why we have practicing people that worship Thor and Odin and all these it's here but in the developed world the Hollywood makes it look like fantasy but here they say they, they do that in the, in the promotion machine to make fans believe that supernatural things can occur and they do so this is a big part of Halloween you talk about um the Saw series, every Halloween until the movie series stopped, this Saw series would come out and it's, the whole series is about torture. Different ways yeah. to escalate the torture on every movie. And then they have this sideline um, storyline going on. But that's basically what it is. And remember what we said last week that a lot of these horror movies are just like a big sacrifice because they are usually involving teens, kids, young adults that have no common sense. Go into the woods, trip, fall, and the guy does whatever he does to them, you know? So, and, and also, Chris, sorry, my brother, and also, um, they also um, fantasize about these, or well, not fantasize, but they, they encapsulate real crime. That's what these movies um, have done. They they put on real crimes. Right, correct. And we're going to get into that in a second. And then we have paranormal activity. And I, I watched about maybe about three of them just to do some research. And basically, it's about a curse on a family. Uh, this de this, this uh, de demonic spirit that is attached to this family. But the things that they depict in the movie are what you hear about in demonic attacks, getting dragged out the bed, dragged down the stairs, 
uh, knives getting thrown at you, just things like that, you know? So they take these things and make them your entertainment. Now, remember, entertainment is something that helps to detain you for the message to come in. Whether the message is good or bad, that's what it is. Yeah. You sit in front of your TV or your radio to get entertained, to get the message. And you're held there. So you're held. be retained by something horrifying or edifying? Does it edify your spirit? You know, we talked about, we did two, two, four hours on zombies. <clears throat> and zombies are the biggest thing right now. And that has to do with Halloween, too. Because when does The Walking Dead come out? In October. To give you your pleasure. And it lasts throughout the fall season. And winter. <clears throat> but that's the starting time. In uh, October, before Halloween starts. And then the... Um, the one that just came out this year started in the summer, like late summer. So what what do we do as one responsible parent, responsible Christian, not only for our kids, uh, the people we love, and then ourselves? We already covered it in the beginning. We stay away from these type of things. Just doing research on this show right here, I had to look at so many gruesome things. You know, it's like you have to take a spiritual bath after looking at all all this stuff. So, you know, we still have a lot more to go. (laughs) But we're not done with film. Unless um, Rory has something to say before I go on. No, well, um, I just wanted to basically reiterate what you said. Um, People are, today, they're running hard after these things. They're they're moving hard after these things. Some people go to um, Halloween Horror Nights, and um, like you said, the the movies, um, the paranormal activity um, where this, they use a child in the movie that is able to talk to another uh, another spirit that's in the womb. And they use children that are innocent to do these things. And um, to open up people, people are being exposed or being they're being opened up, and people don't even understand what's going on. And, but before that, we heard the young lady giving her testimony. Only this time of year, we have... The most children that are gone, they're, they're missing. Most missing children happens around this time of year because mm-hmm. they have to get ready for this so-called fall feast. Yeah. This is what people need to know. Yeah. It's real. Sure. Go and look it up. Go and look it up. And so before, before we get into the next topic, I just want to run down a couple more movies. Um, here goes... This is from the set of Buried Alive, I think. Yeah, it says, I don't know that sets are cursed, but they're a great setting for horror, remarked Terrence J., who, was, who has spent the last seven months filming the upcoming scary movies Buried Alive and The Living Hell. 
He says, much movies can't help but creep out those on set. All of a sudden, the sound guy disappears, and it's like, where did he, where did Carl go? Carl! You know? So here goes the sound guy <laughs> running off set. And, and the article goes on. It says here, certain places where you shoot, I think the spirits can get really angry, they added. There has got to be ghosts walking around, and they definitely get picked up on the video equipment, the sound gear, the microphone, stuff like that. Shooting scary movies probably, um, uh, I can't use the word he used, um, makes the spirits mad. So, you know, there's... Uh, it's right there in the article. This is from a credible news agency. And it says here, earlier this year, Omen remake director John Moore attributed two days of ruined footage to such supernatural occurrences, telling reporters that a malfunctioning remote control camera kept registering error 666, a message that repairmen insisted did not exist. I mean, I can go on and on. <laughs> You know, but we want to cover the next topics tonight, so we can't dwell on this too much. But let me let me say something about this um, Insidious. It's a popular uh, horror series right now, and I, I I had to sit through two of them. And what it is, it's a father and a son that has quote-unquote gifts. This gift that they have is astroplaning. If you understand what that is, basically you're having an outer body experience. You're able to naturally take your body into the spirit realm. But in this case of this movie, the child, through his um, ability, was taken by some powerful demon. And so the father had to go rescue him and all this other stuff. But the person, as usual, that comes in to help the family is a spiritist. Someone that is a psychic, that knows how to contact the spirit realm, that knows how to guide you, the spirit guide. And, you know, by part three, I think, or four, something like that, she is then abducted by... Gets into the spirit realm, blah blah blah, right? But this 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 um, this Chris, series nothing. Um, one second. Good about. It. Yeah, in this movie, how old is this person that we're talking about? You know, I cannot remember how old the child was. But it, I, I'm but just saying, it's a young person, correct? Right, it's always a young child, hmm. or some young adult, something, because it's a metaphor for innocence. And then you sacrifice the innocent to for what, whatever means that depending on the movie that you're watching. And, you know, we have old films like The Shining where the whole hotel was manifested, the whole bunch of spirits, but, you know, it's, it's also psychological. And that's another thing about some of these movies. What they do is they borrow from Japanese folklore, which is full of a lot of occult stuff, and they, they translate it into an a, um, American film to put out new movies. But here's another one, Final Destination. It says here, there were a couple things that happened on the set of Final Destination 3 that could have been moments you could have used in the film. Actress Mary Elizabeth 
um, Winstead said earlier this year, I remember during the fireworks scene, a firework shot off and almost hit somebody in the eye. It kind of uh, shot right in front of him. That was a really scary moment. It was like something right out of the movie. Okay? Like I said, I can go on and on. But do you get the importance of not getting yourself open to these films? To the spirit pushing this kind of entertainment? Because a lot of it is gruesome. Body body parts flying, guts coming out. Some some stuff I can't even say because it's just too gross, you know? But that's the basis of a lot of these movies and fair Fair, fair. I know people that love to watch these type of things, and they serve in the church. Yeah, so people get on. addicted to these things. People get addicted to these things uh, after um, after they've been exposed to it, and um, some of them don't even realize. Yeah, uh, you know, there's so many things you can get into. But here, let's let's go into a video game. And you might, again, say, why? What does that have to do with Hollywood? Big pusher of this whole thing. Um, You go on most video game sites right now, they're showing you the top ten video games to play, and we'll play a clip um, from something something like that. But when I I play this clip, I want you to just hear what these um, reporters trying to tell you which ones are hot. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to some of the keywords that they use. And I'm not saying that these guys are whatever. I'm just telling you, listen to some of the words that they say. Because there are many horror games out there, and this goes back to what we talked about in a couple of shows, Doom. And the genre is survival horror. And it will awaken you to some things that the kids are interested in so you can understand what's coming out in the marketplace, because sometimes we ignore what our kids buy to put it in the PlayStation or the Xbox or whatever, PC, and forget that this genre is out there. And some of them are free to play. They can download it right to their computer, and you will never know unless you walk in and see them playing these crazy games. And we're going to get into something. Or their phones. Or their phones. Huh? Or their phones. Oh, on the phone, yes, exactly. So let's play this one clip. This is 13 hard games to play in 2015. And it, it's, it's important that, that you hear the type of games and what's in them. Gavin Krupa here, and we're going to run through 13 horror games not to turn your back on in 2015. I tried my best there to do like an old-style Vincent Price. Yeah. Well, I'm scared, Gav. Vinnie Price, that's right. So we're going to kick things off with Bloodborne. This is the big one for me. Yeah. Nobody makes better monsters than Miyazaki, and he's back with Bloodborne, yeah. which has kind of ditched the high-fancy dragon stuff of Dark Souls series, yeah. and has embraced Victorian Gothic, and I don't think anyone makes better monsters than From. Next up is a massive one for me, Kodoku, which is this weird PS4 and PS Vita game from a London studio called Carnivore. And now this 
to me just looks a little bit terrifying it's kind of a little bit late in here looks there's like a little character walking around the teaser trailer is one of the best teaser trailers for anything I've seen this year so far it is only January but I don't care I did my research Kodoku is a type of poisonous magic found in Japanese folklore that world Japanese folklore is a bit terrifying in itself and it just sort of has a hard line to my fear gland Right, I've just finished traipsing around Spencer Mansion in the Resi remake, which is really good. But the next Resident Evil on our list is Revelations 2, which is the sequel to the 3DS game. And it's something new for Resident Evil. It's kind of this episodic, downloadable series. I like the idea of the episode thing, and I think the chapter element really worked well in Revelations, even when they ported it over. But I don't think it works as well on the 3DS. For me, Revelations, the original, is built for the 3DS. It's built for a train journey. It's re- it works really well. I don't know if switching it to every week yeah. is going to be as enjoyable. Next on our list then is Soma, which is from Frictional Games. If you don't know, they're a crazy Swedish developer who made stuff like Penumbra and Amnesia. Now, Amnesia I can barely play because it's so terrifying. Pant wetting. Yeah. But this that's really, really good. It looks absolutely mental. Yeah, it's coming to PS4 mm. and PC, and it's super high concept. They're dealing with some big, lofty ideas. Philip K. Dick, Rennie Descartes has been name-checked by the director, but I think there's going to be loads of monsters in space too. Now, we've played Until Dawn, the two of us. Not very much of it, because not very much of it was playable. We took control of Hayden Panettiere and were sort of set upon by this saw-type clown guy. And it really draws upon your fears. And also, there's eight characters, but if one dies, that's it. They're out of the game. Yeah, it's all about the idea of consequence. So over the course of the night, all eight characters can live or they can die. And I'm thinking it might be end up being a really cool party game not like Mario Party a little bit different and every time a character dies you pass on the controller to the next person and it's up to them sticking with the slashers it was announced recently that there's going to be a Friday the 13th video game now very little is known about this I think it's just a title screen that's all yeah. we've got it sounds like it's going to be quite cool so the idea is like asymmetrical you can either be Jason Voorhees or you can take the role of the sort of teenager that he goes after and you just have to band together sort of like Evolve I guess to take on Jason I like the idea and it's done almost exactly the same in an another game that we don't know if it's coming out in 2015 but we wanted to mention it anyway because it looks so good and it has a really really good trailer and that's Summer Camp and that's got Tom Savini who does a lot of the sort of practical effects yeah he, did, he works on Dawn of the Dead the Ramiro yeah. film and lots of other kind of gore movies of the 80s that's right and it's also got Harry Manfredini who did the original score for Friday the 13th he's on board as well <laughs> Yeah, it's really odd though. Friday the 13th is coming out in October. There's no date for summer camp yet. They seem like very similar games. There's another team thing where you you either the killer or the sort of survivors. That's a very similar thing. And even on summer camp's website, they quote Friday the 13th all the time saying, this is a love letter to Friday the 13th. Yeah, well, there's a Friday the 13th reboot movie coming this year. But I think summer camp is the one made by people who really love this stuff. It's not a cash in. And it's coming to Xbox One and PS4. And I really hope it's coming out this year. Okay, something a little bit different from the other games so far. Dartwood is already on Steam Early Access. It's a top-down, procedurally generated survival horror game. Obviously, a lot of survival horror games in the last few years, things like The Forest and so on. But this has this really creepy atmosphere. They use the fog of war really well to make it feel creepy. You don't know where you're going. And the game is full of just, like, crazy people who come out and attack you from the forest, which is a little bit unsettling. Next up is our only Wii U showing in the horror genre, and that's Fatal Frame 5, which has been out for a while in Japan, but we're hoping that it's going to get a 
2015 release because it surely has got to be ready. It's just rewriting some dialogue from Japanese to English, right? Easy. <laughs> exactly. I love the fact that in the Fatal Frame games, you're, you know, you have to use this camera and it's a really harsh device sometimes because you sort of lift it up the camera and you don't really want to. But in this one, you actually are going to be lifting something, which is the gamepad. They're going to track that really well, which hasn't been used all that efficiently with the Wii U, which is odd. I think Zombie U used it really, really well. But until now, that's really been it. So the order, 1886, is it horror game, Gav? While it's a third-person cover-based shooter and they're not particularly scary, it's definitely wrapping itself in the stuff of the horror genre. You've got werewolves, the occult, lots of gothic London crammed in there. And the E3 demo this year in which Galahad fights this kind of ferocious werewolf in an abandoned London hospital, that's pretty scary. Are people still afraid of Doom? I mean, it's one of the very first sort of horror games that I remember being really scared of as a kid. The teaser trailer doesn't give much away. It's quite sort of, you see this sort of hulking beast being shown a little tiny bit. It's a scary game, man. And I think their ties with Oculus Rift, maybe we'll do something cool with that. That'll be really good. I mean, the first time I ever played Oculus Rift, it was with Doom 3. And it was pretty terrifying. Outlast. I think a lot of people have played it now. It's come to next-gen consoles, and it's pretty scary. And the team, Red Barrels, comprised of lots of people who used to work at Ubisoft, aren't yet done with horror. Philippe Moran, the studio co-founder, has said that the sequel is going to take a very kind of almost true detective approach. So new setting, new characters, new themes. So while we might be leaving the asylum behind, probably not the scourge. Okay, so there's a lot of survival games. H1Z1 is Sony's take on it. It's coming to PS4 and PC. I think you can get early access on it right now. You know, it's not super original. You know, Daisy did a lot of this stuff, but it's got a lot of interesting ideas, particularly when it comes to crafting. It's all about taking advantage of your environment and being on PS4 probably brings it to a new audience. Now, we don't actually know that much about her story. All we've had is a really, really short teaser trailer which shows a lady being interviewed by the police and it's really sort of weird and it's like this sort of VHS feeling to it. It feels really unsettling and it's written by the guy who did Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which is an odd, odd Silent Hill game which really deals with atmosphere really well. And I think if he can sort of match some of that in a really odd, almost serial type story, I think it's going to be a good one. So those are the horror games that we're going to be playing in 2015. Did we miss any out? Let us know in the comments below. And for all your your horror games stay right here on IGN all right so there you have a countdown okay so did you catch any of the buzzwords gothic occult things of that nature yeah one of the other things that uh, one of the other things that came out was that um, most of these games come around come out about this time of year. Well, yeah. Well, just like the movie marathons, they're going to have gaming marathons. So, you know, and, and, and um, as we mentioned before, Call of Duty, you got the zombies. Um, so you have these survival horror games. But survival horror is basically a subgenre of video games inspired by horror fiction that focuses on survival of the character as the game tries to scare the players. Although ca- combat can be a part of the gameplay, the player is made to feel less powerful than in a typical action game because of limited ammo, health, speed, vision, and other limitations. The player is also challenged to find items and unlock things. This will basically solve a pu- puzzle. Um, games make use of strong horror themes and the player is often challenged to navigate dark mazes like uh, environments, sort of like Doom, 
and react to unexpected attacks from enemies. Same thing in a horror movie. So the games mimic movie but, but put you in a more immersive environment because you're you're put into a fantasy role and most of them are first person shooters with this that's where you have the hand you just see the two hands holding the gun or whatever. That's a first person shooter. And they take a lot of their fiction just like the movies from the the Eastern um, horror filmmakers and video game makers, just like they said in the in the beginning of the clip, they they were talking about a Japanese filmmaker. I mean, sorry, um, video game maker. So that's the beginning of this part of our Halloween. I mean, sorry, our video game section. But what about the games that are free that your kids play? That something are harmless. Let's go into this thing called Slenderman. And many people have witnessed what this whole thing brings about. What is Slenderman? Who is Slenderman? But its origin is basically from a photograph that was submitted sometime in 2009, and from there it just grew into some type of internet phenomenon. And where you want to say something about this before we go into the clips? Well, um, there is. A, I have a, a little um, clip to to play, you know, like you said. But um, yes, yeah, Slenderman. Um, a lot of people have have taken hold of it, and it's it's hit the the internet by like wildfire. And there's a um, two girls that we'll talk about a little bit more about them after the clip. But um, yeah. let's play the clip first. Oh, you want to watch the clip first? Okay. The heartbreaking and horrifying new evidence in a case we've been following for months. For the first time, we're hearing those interrogation tapes, 12-year-old girls calmly describing why they lured one of their best friends into the woods, stabbing her 19 times and leaving her to die. All of it, they say, for Slender Man. And David, you spent a lot of time with that little survivor. We've been following this journey, as you know, Elizabeth, a brave journey, and no one could have imagined what we would hear in these interrogations revealed in court just this week. A country, a community, now reliving the horror, stunned that those two girls could explain in such a matter-of-fact way why they did this. Tonight, like much of this country, it is a snowy and frigid Friday night in one American town, Waukesha, Wisconsin, where this evening an entire community is stunned all over again after hearing this week for the first time from two girls, their own voices, about the night they allegedly lured their friend into the woods and repeatedly stabbed her, police say, leaving her to die. She gave me the knife and told me to stab her. 2020 has been following the case every step of the way. It's a horror story that began more than eight months ago. A mother and father, like so many parents across this country, sending their daughter on a sleepover. At the time, Peyton Leitner was just 12, and her parents knew her friend well, Morgan Geyser and another 12-year-old, all of them celebrating Morgan's birthday. Why would this night be any different? But it was. 
On Saturday, May 31st, 2014, a 12-year-old girl was stabbed. Tonight, the explosive new interrogation tape just released. As we take you back inside a case that horrified parents across this country. Two 12-year-old girls charged with viciously attacking their friend. They stabbed their friend 19 times. Those girls, the suspects, in their own words, in the hours after they were taken into custody. It is the first time we hear from Morgan Geyser talking about her friend Peyton, who they left in the woods. He was my only friend for a long time. Because Why would you hurt your only friend? It was necessary. And for the first time, we also hear from Anissa Wire, too. Her face blurred, the judge releasing this footage with the requirement not to show their faces during the interrogation. I said, I'm scared. I was told. I was told that if I didn't do something, my family would be in danger. Her family in danger? Who and what were those girls so scared of? We explore that right here tonight. While parents everywhere might be saying, not my child, tonight you're about to hear how all of this began as an ordinary slumber party. Three girls and someone else. An unknown figure getting into that party too. A fictional character from the internet named Slenderman, who so many parents had never even heard of. We have spent months in that town and have documented one family's journey. Two parents helping their daughter recover. She was forced to go into the woods. Into the woods. From the hero who found her at the edge of the woods. She was laying right here. The doctors who saw how close to death she came. The knife cut through the tissue. And the school where Peyton has now returned. One family's stunning journey about to play out tonight right before your eyes. And just this week, Two parents who heard for the first time from the friends who police say attacked their daughter. It was a Friday night, right? It was a Friday night. Their daughter, Peyton, had been looking forward to it for weeks. You remember how excited she was that Friday night. Oh, my gosh. She was so, so excited. And had she gone on sleepovers before? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this, this was just, a, you know, her best so friend's birthday party. Another Friday night. So she's going to go roller skating, have some pizza, and spend the night at her best friend's house. They were probably going to watch a movie. And so you thought this And play American Girl. Peyton brought her American Girl doll with her. She brought her American Girl. But Peyton would not come home the next morning. Do you think Peyton had any idea? No. She had absolutely no idea. She was blindsided. Her parents blindsided too. Friday night, they send their daughter off. Saturday morning, mom is in the backyard. Joe was at work. I heard the doorbell ring and the dog bark. And it was a Saturday morning at like 9 9:45, and around the side of the house up over the deck came um, a uniformed officer the first thing that goes through my mind is so something has happened to somebody that i love because that's the only reason a, a, a uniformed officer and a detective comes to your house on a saturday morning yeah that's that's part of it right there just to show wow. you uh part of this whole and there's more we're going to play more um, um wow amazing <laughs> yeah see a lot of parents haven't heard about this game and they don't know firsthand what it is what surrounds this character slender man a tall dark figure with uh a mask on his head or whatever that is totally white supposed to run through the hood the wood the woods in the video game and shine a light on him if he appears. Anyway, these two kids apparently 
followed, worshipped, and plotted out this whole thing. But do you realize, parents, that there's more out there than just this? And your kids research these games and download them behind your back, or sometimes you, the parent, might even encourage it. The dark forces might even play it and don't. Might even play it and don't even know what it means. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but once you once you see Slenderman, you know what time it is. It's not. It's nothing hidden in light. It's totally dark. And and it goes along with this whole gothic scene and everything. Even though these two girls weren't gothic, but when you if you ever see the the interview clips and what they show of these two girls. There, there, there's some identifiers. There's some markers there. So, um, Rory, you said you had something to play before I go on with the rest? All right. So let's see if we can... The accounts of a certain particular entity are some of the most disturbing reports one could ever examine. The encounters with this entity have dated back centuries and have been permanently penned into various historical documents. Each culture or area that encountered this being had its own name for it. The Operator, the Tall Man, even Master. Today. It is most commonly known as Slender Man. In recent years, it's actually been a phenomenon that's been taking off, and it's been pretty viral. It's even gotten to the point where the legend has its own video game being developed for it. However, its presence in history is certainly undeniable. There are many recorded accounts documenting encounters with this entity. One such disturbing account stemming from a German journal dating as early as 1702 writes, My child, my Lars, he is gone, taken from his bed. The only thing that we found was a scrap of black clothing. It feels like cotton, but it is softer. Thicker. Lars came into my bedroom yesterday screaming at the top of his lungs that the angel is outside. I asked him what he was talking about and he told me some nonsense fairy story about the tall one. He said he went into the groves by our village and found one of my cows dead hanging from a tree. I thought nothing of it at first. But now he is gone. We must find law. Wow. All right. Wow. Yeah. So. So you see, this yeah. thing, this thing goes back a very long time. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting is that the the movie that came out a long time ago called Phantasm. 
I had a, a guy in there called the, the Tall Man. And all you have to do is put a mask on him and he's Slender Man. The guy that would go through portals and no one could kill him and all this stuff. Anyway, just moving on with this. <clears throat> because this this is going to be our longest segment for the night as far as clips goes. But it's important that you understand this whole phenomenon and how these two girls uh, stabbed their friend up. They were best friends. You talk about a sleepover, and you would think that this is just a girl that she met, and the parents made a mistake and made a sleepover. Nah, that's not even the, the issue. They knew each other well. So I'm going to play clip two of this interview. She would slowly begin to piece together what had happened in the 16 hours since Peyton had left for that sleepover. It is unthinkable. The first moment anyone would begin to learn of that horror was this call to 911. I'm transferring over a caller on Big Bend. After she crawled out of the woods. And just listen, at first, the operators cannot believe what they are hearing. I came upon a 12-year-old female. She appears to be stabbed. She appears to be what? Stabbed. Stabbed? Correct. Greg Steinberg was riding his bike that morning on a path that had actually been chained off. It was pure chance that he came this way. Sir, are you with her right now? Yes. Is she awake? She's awake. Is there any bleeding going on? Her clothing has got blood on it. Okay, and you found her and she was just laying there? Yeah. On that call, you can actually hear Greg comforting Peyton. Somebody's coming. He did that to you. And you were biking by, and she says to you, what? Could you help me, please? I've been stabbed multiple times. I quick got out my cell phone. I was shaken and dialed 911. I just stayed with the 911 operator, and I offered her water because I had a water bottle on my bike. The other thing she said was she's having trouble breathing. And she's right here laying on the grass. He watches as the ambulance rushes her away, the hospital less than four miles away from that path. And when you looked at her, it was immediately apparent she'd been stabbed multiple times. Yeah, to her chest and abdomen and arm and leg. Doctors concerned she might not survive, and her mother, Stacy, has just been told Peyton has been rushed to the hospital. She's also been told it was her best friend, Morgan, who did this. She calls her husband. And I said, Peyton's been stabbed. Morgan stabbed Peyton. You need to come home. They need to rush Peyton into surgery. So then I really lost it. So you got in the car? Got in the car. Minutes later, arriving. So I walked into the trauma room that she was in, and she was pale as a ghost. She was terrified. She was crying. She couldn't breathe. But she saw you there. She saw me, and she put her hand out, and I rushed over to her. And I put my arms around her, and I laid next to her, and I hugged her, and I said, you're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. But I could see that she was covered her arms and her legs and her abdomen, they were covered in stab wounds. They pull her away from her daughter, and she can soon hear the nurses counting. And all I hear is, there's five on her arm, there's seven on her leg, and I'm thinking, what, seven? What? And one of the nurses says, all right, I count 19, and then the second nurse said, I count 19 as well. 19, what? This, there's no way. There were so many stab wounds, it took two nurses to count them, 19 in all. And her little girl is now being raced down the hall. Because then they took her into surgery. Then they took her into surgery. Did you say 
anything to Peyton as they were wheeling her away. That I loved her and that she would be okay. But there was something else Peyton's mother was thinking at the same time. Morgan didn't do this, is what's going through my head. There's no way. There's no way that's, that's what happened. Morgan is 12. But that's exactly what investigators believe, that Morgan and the only other girl who was invited to that sleepover, Anissa Wire, did this. But they were nowhere to be found. They had run away, and, and the police hadn't found them yet. And we just knew that Peyton told us Morgan stabbed her, and the police hadn't been able to find the girls. And in fact, police believe those girls were walking. Yeah. And tonight, right here, we finally hear from the detectives, the investigators, who searched for those girls who found them. Detective Michelle Trussoni, on the stand, just this week. And once they left um, that wooded area, they started walking so they could hear the sirens coming. They were going to find a mansion in the woods. Oh, the mansion, yeah, the mansion in the woods. They were into the Nicolay Forest because they believed that there was a mansion there that Slenderman lived in. And this week, we heard the interrogation. Just listen to Morgan, her own voice, her own words, acknowledging who they were looking for. We tried to find Slenderman. Trying to find who? Slender. Who's Slenderman? He's, um, he's, uh, this tall-faced man who preys on children. A character named Slenderman, who police say they were hoping to impress, all while their 12-year-old friend Peyton is in the OR fighting off death. When we come back, the doctors who discover it is worse than anyone thought. We're with the surgeon who saves her. It's less than a millimeter between living and dying. Yes. Tonight, you'll hear much more from them in their own words. The hours of interrogation tapes just revealed. Why did they do this? What was discovered on their computers, their cell phones? And later tonight, right here, our time with the survivor, Peyton, and a brand new milestone one week ago tonight. A young girl you will never forget. All right, so <clears throat> two things stand out about some of that right there. Is they are young girls, of course. We, we, we've been kind of like hovering over that for the night about young people, sacrifice, things like that, innocence. And here you have the young mind and heart of a 12-year-old and her friend that goes to do this hard thing to another young lady, 12 years old, and no one could ever imagine that they could get through or, or do this to their to their friend and plot it out so well, too. Slenderman, as you've heard, preys on little children, just like Pan, Peter Pan, <laughs> uh, same concept, the Pied Piper, just just understand that not everything in folklore is just that. It's just a story. There's always a spirit behind some of these things. And I'm not saying that the person that made him slender, I don't know anything about the guy. But look what happened here. After the internet took it by, it took the internet by storm, went viral. So we're going to try to speed through this so that we can get to the next subject. So here's interview three. She appears to be stabbed. She appears to be what? Stabbed. Stabbed? Correct. Waukesha, Wisconsin, just outside Milwaukee. 
and on a Saturday morning this past May, a horrific tale is just beginning to emerge. Is there any bleeding going on? Her clothing has got blood on it. Okay, and you found her and she was just laying there? Yeah. A birthday sleepover with three 12-year-olds the night before, and now two girls are missing. The other, Peyton Leitner, has somehow crawled out of the woods, covered in stab wounds. Nineteen of them. She's now being wheeled into the operating room. Having just told her mother, her friends did this to her. They had run away, and, and the police hadn't found them yet. And we just knew that Peyton told us Morgan stabbed her, and the police hadn't been able to find the girls. And in fact, police believe those girls were walking. Yeah. They were going to find a mansion in the woods. Oh, the mansion, yeah, the mansion in the woods. They were going to the Nicolay Forest because they believed that there was a mansion there that Slenderman lived in. Incredibly, police say those girls were now headed to find a mansion where they believed a fictitious internet character truly lived. A character named Slenderman, who police say they were hoping to impress. Outside that hospital, in that town. A major search by ground. These are the woods where the stabbing police actually are still on the scene here. A frantic search for the two missing, Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire. Two 12-year-old girls stabbing their friend nearly to death is unimaginable any time, but especially for a safe community like the city of Waukesha. While back at the hospital, the surgeon, John Kellerman, is about to discover just how much damage has been done. The knife came directly down at this point where this large branch was coming off of this major artery and cut through the tissue overlying it so that the vessels were totally exposed by this injury. The knife cut through the tissue, but not the artery itself. Exactly. The knife stopped at the wall of the artery. And had it not? Had it not, she would have uh, had a major heart attack from the amount of bleeding and probably died within a minute or two. That close to death, nearly five hours after Peyton crawled out of those woods, the two other girls are found. They were right here along Interstate 94, heading out of Waukesha. A knife with a five-inch blade found in one of the girls' bags. Police Chief Russell Jack takes us back to the spot. Both suspects had blood on their clothes. The knife from the stabbing was located in the backpack that was in the possession of the two suspects. Police say they were carrying clothes, granola bars, water bottles. One of the girls carrying a picture of her mother and father and siblings. She wanted to remember what they looked like after leaving her town for that imaginary mansion in the woods. Neither girl puts up a fight. Taken into custody, they would soon be questioned two parents were about to ask their daughter what happened to. At first, Peyton couldn't talk, writing to communicate. Do you remember the first message she wrote? I want to go home. I want to go home. When can I go home? And has Peyton talked at all about the horror of that moment? She told me she was scared. But the first time I asked her what she remembered about what happened, she said, all I remember is the pain. How well did you know these, these two other girls? It was um, Peyton's best friend. There was no question in your mind that they were best friends. They were, oh, they were best, they were best friends, friends since about fourth grade. Fourth grade is when we met Morgan for the first time. They say Peyton would talk to Morgan every night on the phone. Were there ever any red flags? They would have little arguments, but every 12-year-old girl has little arguments. Across town at the Waukesha Police Department, the two other friends at that sleepover now answering questions of their own. <clears throat> so, Roy, you want to comment? Um, on that that piece right there I think it's just self I think it's just self explanatory um just from what I see 
Um, what else is there to say that these people allow themselves to be um, possessed and the parents were there and they didn't realize? And yeah. um, they let their kids go. Yeah. And so here we come. <clears throat> we have two more clips. And the last one, we're going to tie it into some of the interesting costumes that are coming out. All right, here we go. Ellen Gabler is a reporter at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. She has followed this case closely. The thing that was the most surprising and shocking to me was how planned out this whole thing was. A plot they tell police that was in the works for months. You can't believe this is actually 12-year-olds, especially 12-year-old girls. They tell police they committed this crime in part out of their devotion to a character they discovered on the Internet, Slenderman. A tall, faceless, mysterious figure, a fictional character who lurks in the background, sometimes peering over the shoulders of children. The story of Slenderman changing, evolving all the time, with help from fans all over the world, adding to the story online, giving this fictional character new life every day. He is... Uh... Uh, the thing that we fear that we don't actually encounter. Right? So we check our we check under our beds for the Slender Man, but he's you know not actually there. Not there because he doesn't exist. But listen to what these two girls begin to tell police. Anissa Wire revealing to investigators it was Morgan's idea to kill Peyton to prove themselves quote worthy to Slender Man. Anissa telling police her friend suggested quote we should be proxies for Slender. The girls were very clear with police that they were trying to kill the victim. They wanted to do it as a sacrifice to Slenderman. And in excruciating detail, they described multiple plots, all beginning with that Friday night sleepover. They had originally planned to kill their friend that night in Morgan's house. But for some reason, at that moment, the girls changed their minds. They brought her here to the park on Saturday morning to kill her in this bathroom. Their big concern was finding a drain for the blood to go down. But once inside that park bathroom, something happens between the girls now hatching their second plot. There was a back and forth between Morgan and Anissa about who was going to stab the girl. Um, both of them chickened out, essentially, and said that they told police they couldn't do it. But there would be one more plan. The girls leave that bathroom and walk down a nearby road to the woods. Peyton's parents take me there, revealing to me what their little girl told them. And they got to the park and they told her they wanted to play hide and seek in the woods. And she told me she didn't want to go. She sensed it. Yeah, she did say she was forced to go. In fact, the girls tell police about that game of hide and seek. Anissa and the victim were hiding. Anissa told her to lay down in the dirt, and, and she didn't want to. Anissa tells police she sits on Peyton, and that Peyton says to her, I can't breathe. Anissa tells investigators she was thinking, if I sat on her, Morgan could then stab her. At that point, one girl says to the other, just go crazy. Yeah, yeah. A short time later, Anissa tells police Morgan takes the knife, turns to her friend and says, I'm not going to until you tell me to. Anissa says she then told Morgan to, quote, go ballistic, go crazy. Peyton is stabbed 19 times, stumbling, trying to get up. Where on earth do you think she... All right, so as you can see, the, the overarching 
concept of this whole crime was sacrifice. This is like what we've been saying from the last show. Straight into this one, all the way up to here. Sacrifice. Human sacrifice, blood sacrifice. This goes on all the time. Now, I know these kids were 12 years old, but there's older people out there that know exactly what they're doing. And not to say that these kids didn't. Well, they, so, um, as far as I know, uh, at least one of the girls were committed. I'm not sure what happened to the other one, but the, the young lady, the victim, survived. So hearing this story here and knowing that Halloween is a night that you dress up as whatever character, we, we, we went through the history, and it's basically you are pretending to be part of the ghoul, the ghost that would come and terrorize the neighborhood. So hearing this story here, I went and said, you know, let me just see. Are people making costumes out of this? And lo and behold, on Amazon, I found costumes, but not only there, other places too. But here's a short news clip about the selling of costumes of Slenderman. Halloween's all about being frightful, but tonight parents accuse a local costume shop of encouraging real horror. Elise Coulter shows you why, live in the Oregon district. Elise? Jack, believe it or not, Halloween is just around the corner, and local places here in the Oregon district are already dressing up for All Hallows' Eve. And you might already be thinking about what costume you want to wear, but a local store, what they're choosing to sell, has some parents upset tonight. Slender Man is a fictional character. He's known for his white featureless face and black suit. His stories show him stalking, abducting, or traumatizing people, usually kids. I think he just portrays an ugly personality. Two teens in Wisconsin stabbed their friend 19 times and told police Slenderman told them to do it. And in Hamilton County, a teenage girl dressed in a Slenderman costume attacked her own mother with a knife. Now, despite the controversy, Party City has the Slenderman costume on their shelves. Companies can sell what they want to sell. There's a product for every person out there. I think it's inappropriate for a younger age group because to me it's it's like giving them an image mm -hmm. to follow. The costume is on the store's website. The teen size sells for 40 bucks and adults can get it for 55. Parents we spoke to say what people do with the costume has more to do with their state of mind. It just reminds me of when I was younger and they would say the song Cop Killer was mm -hmm. the reason that people were killing cops. It has more to do with people's mentality that it has to do with the product itself. The company released this statement saying Party City sells merchandise and costumes for all types of Halloween customers and nothing we carry is meant to be offensive. Parents say it's their responsibility to keep their kids in check. I think everyone's entitled mm -hmm. to their own way to choose and what to choose, but you know, you would kind of hope for some parental guidance on whether or not it's appropriate for their child or not. The costumes were removed from store shelves in Wisconsin where the teens had stabbed their friend. But, however, Party City has decided to keep them on the store shelves here in the Miami Valley. For now, reporting live in Dayton, Elise Coulter, Fox 45 News. 
Okay, so there we have the costume now. So kids can dress up as Slender Man and go terrorize people, terrorize other kids. This is what this all this whole Slender Man thing is about. Interesting. Yes, so, very quickly, interesting. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's it. I just think it's very interesting how people get themselves caught up in that mess. Yeah, yeah. So, really, really quickly, before the show ends, we want to show you the effects of horror movies that inspired real crimes. And here is The Natural Born Killers, which is not a horror movie, but it still comes out of Hollywood. It says, Natural Born Killer has inspired some of the most gruesome copycat killings in history. The film has been associated with several serial killers, including the homicidal couple Sarah Edmondson and Benjamin Darris. In 1995, the murderous duo dropped LSD and watched natural-born killers repeatedly before going on a drug-fueled crime spree of robbing and shooting and a convenience store clerk that left her a quadriplegic. During the crime spree, Dara shot and killed a Mississippi businessman. Edmondson was sentenced to 35 years in prison, and Darris is doing life. And on the subject of horror, the movie Scream, made by Wes Craven, slasher movie um, series Scream, was the inspiration behind the murder of Gina Costello by her 16-year-old son and his 15-year-old cousin, Samuel Ramirez. The two teenagers confessed to the gruesome murder of Costello and admitted that they did it because they needed money to fund a murder spree that would reenact the storyline of the first two Hollywood Scream movies. In order to follow the Scream storyline, the, the teenage boys planned to buy the ghost face mask and electronic voice box that are seen in the movie. Uh, you have um, Queen of the Dam. In 2002, Alan Menzies murdered his longtime friend Thomas McKendrick because he claimed the character in the vampire movie Queen of the Dead told him to do it, and promised to make him a vampire in the next life. After watching the film about a hundred times receiving and receiving a visit from the female vampire, Akasha, in the middle of the night, he decided to murder people. Menzies also believed that uh, McKendrick and other friends were plotting to kill him, but he turned on Mendrick first. <sighs> Menzies stabbed his friend to death drank his blood, and ate part of his head before burying him in a shallow grave. The vampire killer was later found dead in his prison cell from apparent suicide. And here goes, if anybody knows the cult classic by Stanley Kerbick, a clockwork orange has been the inspiration for many twisted real-life crimes, specifically throughout Britain. The crime has exhibited similarities with the crime, but one of the most bizarre cases involved a man named John Ricketts who was dressed up as a uh, droog from um, the Clockwork Orange and assaulted a woman dressed as Little Britain's Vicky Pollard at an office party. The violent movie was banned from UK cinemas because of the increase in violent crimes following the release. And there's Chucky, Child's Play 3, Nightmare on M Street, American Psycho, Saw, all of these movies, most of them horror, have 
influenced copycat murders. So people say, this doesn't affect me. What I listen to, what I watch, doesn't have anything to do with Halloween, da-da-da-da-da. The proof is in the pudding. It's right there. You can find it anywhere. But tradition and people's hearts that are close to truth are hardened to truth. There's no way. I'm not giving this up. Are you crazy? That's the reality of it. But tonight, what's more important than talking about Halloween and the video games, the movies, Slender Man, is does your heart belong to Jesus? Because ultimately, none of this here will matter when you're standing in front of the white throne to be judged. It's just that simple. And the gospel is something that's very simple to understand. Once the Holy Spirit moves your heart towards Jesus Christ, you see that you respond or you don't. And how many of you out there listening tonight heard what we say and how we're connecting it to the Bible, the thing that God said to stay away from, the witchcraft and the sorcery and all these things that come with Halloween, Will you continue to ignore it as a Christian or even a non-Christian? Will you turn your hearts to Jesus? That's the most important decision you have to make tonight. My brother Rory. I think it's just um, very important that everybody to what we said. Remember the passage of scripture that we read tonight? Came from Deuteronomy. That we talked about. Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 14. The Bible is clear about what we should stay away from. Don't be partakers in anything of it. Anything of it. You heard the young lady's testimony where she came and she told you the dangers of Halloween and what it signifies. I hope this has helped everyone to really um, look at Halloween for what it really is and that we will turn to Jesus Christ the author and finisher of our faith, and that you will find out for yourselves who he really is and not to be involved in these things. Yes, there's Hollywood, there's video games, there's a lot of a lot of different things that are out there that are trying to steal our time, take us away from what is what is really, really true. And we have to also, I, I just want to say to everyone, the Bible says, when Jesus comes, he says, and I think he was Jesus answering, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He said, I am the way, he's the only way. I am the truth, he's telling you the truth. Everyone wants to hear the truth. He said, I am the life, the life eternal. No one, you can't get to the Father, but only by him. He died for our sins, and that's, that's it. Have well, a great evening, and God bless. Amen. Good night, everyone.
What are we going to do as a church? Our souls need to wake up. We need to respond to the gospel of Jesus. He said, go into the world. We don't want to deal with reality, Christian. We don't even want to deal with reality even though we've been saved from this place. I'm calling on you today in the name of Jesus to rise up to the call of God. Christ is coming back soon. If I start telling people about hell, I might just scare them off. Where are you going to scare them off to? Hell number two? People stop and think about it. If hell really exists, and it does, I didn't say that Jesus did, then don't you think people need to know about it? Can't you at least give them a fighting chance? Or are you just going to sit there and let them burn? Planning a spring break getaway? Well, with the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on any purchase you make today and every day. And those miles add up to get you closer to that trip to paradise. Every vanilla soy latte, double miles. Every time you pump gas, double miles. Even when you buy a set of monogram beach towels, yep, double miles. You earn unlimited double miles on every purchase, and then you go. The Capital One Venture Card, the card that takes you there. What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USA N.A.